Hey, listen, um, do you know this song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine? Look, I think you do, Brother Stan. Listen, sing a couple bars. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Stop right there. I like the words. But really, blessed assurance. Can you be assured of the blessedness of your salvation? The answer is yes, not my words. The words of the gospel writer whose book we are studying. In a few verses, uh, John, under inspiration, will make it clear, yes, indeed, you can possess blessed assurance. You'll see what I mean. It's in John chapter 6, beginning at verse 38. We'll just look at three verses. John 6, verse 38. I hope the matter of the... Uh, uh, assurance of salvation can be so settled in our minds tonight that it never becomes an issue again. Let's see if these verses can accomplish that task. Verse 38, for I, who's speaking? Yeah, Jesus himself. I have come down. By the way, that's the only way we could have access to him. There's no way we can construct a ladder of good deeds sufficiently high to extend into heaven, and therefore he condescended to make himself available to us. I have come down from heaven. Why? Well, not to do my own will. We must never accuse Jesus of that. No, not to do my own will, but the will of him, that's God the Father, him who sent me. And what specifically is the will of the Father? Here it is, verse 39. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all you can substitute of all people, that of all people that he has given me, that of all people the Father has given me, I lose nothing or nobody, but raise it or him, them, up on the last day. That's the will of the Father, which Jesus came to carry out. The Savior came down from heaven to do the Father's will. That's what we just read. And it is clearly stated that the Father's will is that the Savior so holds onto believers that he will not lose one of them. The Father has given those who believe to the Son. Are you a Christian? If the answer is yes, you have been given by the Father as a gift to the Savior. And if you have been given by God the Father to God the Son, you, previously lost, will never be lost again. Never. These are the words of Jesus. I repeat them. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all he has given me, 
I lose, what's the next word in your Bible? Nothing. It means the same in English as it does in the original Greek. No exceptions to the rule. Listen, but I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but what about the Christian who goes astray? And it may be you. Good question. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Who do you think you are? Do you think you are stronger than the mighty Savior? You may wander, and we do, but you will never be lost. You may drift, but his eye is still upon you. You may lose your way as a Christian. It happens, but he will never lose you. Who do you think you are? You're not strong enough to lose his loving hold on you. It's his intent to do the will of the Father. You have nothing to do with it. And the will of the Father is that no one, the Father has given to the Son, no believer will be lost. You can't get away from your Savior if he is indeed your Savior. So I shared this with you a long time ago. I'll do it again because I think it fits. When I was in the military um, a long time ago, the fellow who led me and many others to the Lord organized a day uh, when we guys, most of us single guys in the military, were supposed to show up at a certain time in the parking lot uh, on the post, and we were going to mount up in cars and vans and go off to a wooded area as a group, but then we would split up, go out into the woods to pray alone. And then we would gather together. We synchronized our watches after a spell. I think it was a couple hours in the woods alone, praying to the Lord. Then we'd come together as a group, and we would pray together. Great idea. So all the guys show up, and I was there. And I told to the leader, this guy who led me and others to the Lord, hey, I'll be right back. He said, where are you going? I said, I am hungry and I need to get something to eat. He said, no, we're leaving uh, to pray. I said, well, uh, I can't pray on an empty stomach. I'm not able to do that. I just gotta go, I was gonna go into the mess hall, grab something real quick and just come out. He said, we're leaving right now, with or without you. So I uh, complied, I got in one of the cars, The guys were talking and joined each other's company and my arms were folded. I was mad. I didn't say anything. We get to the site and there, as I mentioned, the mission was to go out and meet alone with God and pray. Well, I couldn't talk to God in this frame of mind. Are you kidding? I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to talk to God. So I went out into the woods and I'm not kidding you. I was uncomfortable by the presence of God. And I started walking around in the woods thinking I could evade his gaze. I could get away from God. That's what I was trying to do. I just didn't want anything to do with him. You know, this whole Christian thing, I had enough of it. That guy won't even let me get something to eat before we go out and pray. I don't need it. I don't need this. Bad attitude. So, uh, to put it mildly. But after a spell, I realized I cannot get away from God. I might as well make the best of the time. 
So we all had our Bibles with us because he had taught us how to pray scripture. So I decided I'll just open it and maybe something will happen. And, and I just opened it at random. And it was uh, to the words of this psalm. Listen, where can I go from your spirit? <laughs> this is, I'm telling you, like 40 years ago, I remember it like it was yesterday. Where can I go, for, it's Psalm 139, from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell even in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. I was an obstinate, sinful, uh, rebellious, prideful, angry Christian. And in spite of all that stuff, the strength of my sin uh, could not surpass the surpassing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not lose sight of me, though I was doing my best to get away from him. Folks, who do you think you are? If it's the Father's will to have given you, a believer, as a gift to the Son, and if the Son says, and it's my will to have come down, condescended from a heavenly place, uh, in order to do the Father's will, which is to make sure I lose none of whom he has given to me, even a rebellious, obnoxious, arrogant guy like Stuart Rothberg, who is saved, will not get unsaved. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the firm grasp of the Savior upon you. No, you cannot lose your salvation, nor should you doubt it for the wrong reason. The Son of God came down from heaven to do the will of the Father. It is the Father's will that the Son lose none of us who have been given by the Father to him as a gift. We may wander, and we do. We may drift, we may get off course, we may... Have you ever gotten depressed? I notice a lot of times Christians who get depressed or who have mood disorders think they've lost their salvation because they don't have the emotional experience that they think goes along with it. You, don't, you are not having a crisis of faith, you're having a crisis of emotion. And even during that time, a faithful savior will not let you go. You can feel distant from him, but the fact of the matter is, he's much stronger than your mood disorder. And no matter what you feel at the time, he came to do the will of the Father, and that is not to lose anyone who is a saved individual. Again, take a look at verse 39. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all, that's a very inclusive word, of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. Folks, this verse, uh, verse 39, is one of the strongest and clearest assurance texts in all the Bible. If you struggle with this uh, issue, I would encourage you to memorize uh, John chapter 6, verse 39. Have you been saved, then you shall never be lost. Those who have been given to the Savior, you see, are given a guarantee, and it is the guarantee of being raised up 
to eternal life on the last day. Those are not my words. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus himself. And those who believe, those who have been given to the Son by the Father have this guarantee. Get this, this is the good part. Not because of their will or their works. This is the Father's will. We just read it here. Folks, this is called the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. Have you ever heard this? It's a theological term and came up, I guess, during Reformation times. The doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. I think a better way to look at it is the doctrine of the preservation of the saints, not the perseverance of the saints. It's not about you and me persevering. It's about us being held in the loving, inescapable grasp of a Savior who will not let us go. Folks, those who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb are kept by him in keeping with the will of his Father. It's not about me holding on. It's about me being held on to. How about you? <clears throat> how were you saved? I'll tell you how. God done did it. That's how. And so I ask you, how then, having been saved, how are you kept? Same answer. God does it. Nothing's changed. Your salvation is not based on human effort or will, and neither is your preservation. That's why you can't lose it. The only people, Christians, who doubt their salvation are Christians who are thinking too much. You see, from a rational point of view, it makes sense that you could, at a certain point, get God so disgusted with you that he just withdraws his grace and lets you go. But Christians who take their marching orders not from their uh, reason, but from the Bible, realize they have assurance of salvation. I mean, J John 6, verse 39, the one we just read ought to give that to you. You are not holding on for dear eternal life. You are being held onto. You're being held so as to be raised up, I'm just quoting the text, to eternal life on the last day. So how many believers in the history of humankind has Jesus ever lost? Not one. Again, I read to you, this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. So do you struggle with this? Do you wonder if you're a Christian? Do you wonder if there'll come a point when you'll be cast off or cast aside? Uh, could I tell you that's an impossibility? It cannot happen. Uh, you see, the Savior, Jesus, would never cast out anyone who came to him by the Father's grace because he came to do the Father's will, and it is the Father's will that he save and not lose those whom the Father has brought to him. It's an impossibility for you to lose your salvation. Listen, Jesus came down from heaven to do the Father's will. We read that. So I ask you, how often does the Lord Jesus do the will of the Father? How often? Always. So then, if Jesus always does the will of the Father, 
And if the will of the Father is that he lose none of those given to him by the Father, then don't you see salvation cannot be lost. If it could, if salvation could be lost, it would mean that Jesus sinned by failing to do the will of his Father. Can you see how this whole matter is not about you? <laughs> it's about the Father and the Son. Those who doubt their salvation are looking too long to themselves. And you're coming up short. It's, I mean, it's an ugly picture the longer you look at you. I mean, that, and I look at me. We're going to come up with all kinds of stuff that we think should disqualify us from salvation. We're going to miss it. But don't, it has nothing to do with you. If Jesus came to do the will of the Father, and the will of the Father is that he never lose any one person who has come to him, then if he lost any one person, he failed to do the will of his Father, which makes Jesus a sinner. <gasps> Can you see the illogic of doubting your salvation if, in fact, you have been truly saved? So he's able to hold you and me in his hands in such a way that having been saved, we shall never be lost. Now, this is such a wonderful and liberating truth that in order for it to sink in, it bears repetition. And that's exactly what happens here in verse 40. In different words, the same thought is repeated. Look, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone, again, another inclusive word, everyone who beholds the Son, every believer, everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life and I myself will raise him up on the last day. There you have it again. A person who is saved is saved by grace, and a person who is saved by grace cannot fall from grace. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not grace. So salvation is a gift, a gracious gift. It's not something we earn or deserve. It is something God graciously gives. Now I ask you, what would have to happen in order to move God to take his gift back? Think about it. Will you agree salvation is a gift given by God? Okay, fine. Then for you who doubt your salvation, <clears throat> tell me what would God have to do what would have to take place in order for God to withdraw his salvation? Well, you probably would come up with something like sin, you know, or rebellion or waywardness or something like that. But I want to tell you how, how that doesn't make sense. I mean, he saved you and me when we were lost sinners entirely separated from God. He saved us when we were in sin and entirely separated from him. Why, therefore, would he take back our salvation when we sin now as sons and daughters? <coughs> if he saved us before we were adopted into his family and we had nothing to bring to the table except unbridled sin, what in the world would move him to turn his back on us now that we're sons and daughters who sin. It doesn't make sense. So if he saved us when we sinned as strangers, why would he forsake us when we sin as children? 
It's illogical. It doesn't make sense. Don't buy it. Can I tell you something? In uh, all the years in which I've been in the ministry, I would say 95% of the time when I have the privilege of visiting with someone over this issue, that someone says, I've, I, I've accepted Christ, and, but I doubt my salvation. In 95% of the cases in which I've had the privilege of counseling with that kind of person, I have determined that their struggle is not theological, it's emotional. They know as many Bible verses on this subject as I do, even the text under study tonight. I could almost describe their father without even knowing him. I could tell them, I'll bet your father was distant. I'll bet he withheld affection. I bet he rarely told you he loved you. I'll bet he was the kind of person who, if you came home with a report card and you had four A's but one B, he only saw the B. I've had people say, oh my goodness, how do you know my dad? I'll tell you how I know. What that person has done is transferred the characteristics of earthly father onto heavenly father. And they've had the experience of being distanced, abandoned, neglected, maybe even abused by earthly father. And therefore, they are imagining that heavenly father at a certain point will do the same thing. So their issue, can you see, is not theological. I'll bet most here who are struggling with the issue of salvation have an emotional struggle, not a theological struggle. The scriptures are pretty clear about this particular subject. And so <laughs> when lost people come to Jesus for salvation, God will save them. And when he saves them at a point in time, think about it, he saves them for all time. <laughs> I, I, I was saved on September 5th, 1973. That was a point in time. But at that point, I was saved for all time. Folks, we have been saved from eternal death and been given eternal life. So I ask you this question. If eternal life can be lost, can you please tell me how it can be eternal? <laughs> the Bible tells us this is eternal life, to know thee. Meaning, believers have eternal life uh, from the point of salvation. How could it be eternal uh, if at a certain time you forfeit it? That's temporary life. That's not eternal life. So don't buy this stuff. How long does eternal life last? Folks, if it only lasts for a while, it's not eternal life. But eternal life is the very thing we have been given. So at the time when the Lord Jesus Christ returns for his people, at the time when he comes to judge the world, and he will, at the time when he establishes his kingdom on earth, at that time, uh, known as the last day, Jesus the Savior will raise up every single one of us who are his, every single one of us. Now, why is it so important to hammer this point home? Why is it so important uh, to be sure of your salvation? I mean, how does that change the way one lives. Well, let me offer this illustration. Uh, when the Golden Gate Bridge in California was being built, it was then the longest and the highest and the widest and the costliest bridge in the world. 
and it was very dangerous to work on it. Therefore, the workers were very sheepish, and the work did not proceed on schedule. And someone came upon a great idea. Why not build some kind of a net underneath this construction site so that if a workman fell, he would not fall to his death. He would land on into the net and thus be saved. So a giant safety net in those days, it cost $100,000, quite a lot in that day, was put together, it was made, and it was swung under the construction work. It was the first time in the history of major construction projects that such a net had been used. Now, because the workmen knew that if they did slip, they would not fall to their death, the work proceeded at a much faster and enjoyable clip. Can you see the application to us? Jesus is our safety net, and he's been provided at a much greater cost than $100,000. He's our safety net, and it is true for those of us who are saved that we can still choose to sin, run from God, have our ups and downs, and all the rest. But if we know in spite of that, we will not fall to our eternal death because Jesus is our safety net who is guaranteed eternal life. <clears throat> the flow of our Christian life is entirely different. Instead of focusing on the possibility of failure, and falling, we're focused on the reality of forgiveness. I could stumble, I could sin, I could transgress, I could try to get away from God at spell, I could stay away from church, I could stop reading my Bible and stop praying, I could do, you know, all those things are possible. I don't recommend it, but, I, but, but all those things are possible. But if I knew, if I had the conviction, in spite of my proclivity to wander from God, I will not fall out of salvation, then it gives an ease and a joy in living the Christian life and serving the Lord you would not have otherwise. You know, athletes and Miss America contestants have something in common. They are some of the most coordinated people on earth. They have these magnificent uh, physical capacities and they work at it. And it always amazes me that these finely tuned athletes and these beauty pageant contestants, the most graceful ladies on earth, it is amazing to me how so many of them trip and fall when it matters most. False start at the Olympics that disqualifies you, a pulled hamstring thing, a hurdler who knocks over three of them and that's it for him. This beautiful gal walking down three steps. I can do that with my eyes closed. And she's just losing it like, and I always thought to myself, how could that be? I'll tell you why. They're so focused on not falling, they fall. That's why it's so important to be sure of your salvation. So as not to focus on falling so as to lose it. 
but to bask in the sunlight of the assurance of the Savior's grasp on you so that even when your humanity comes out, I don't encourage it, but I'll tell you how you deal with it. You have a new response to failure and sin. Now you confess it. You turn from it and you press on. You're not disqualified from the race. And because you're not disqualified from the race, you're in the race. You're running the race. You're not disqualifying yourself. Can you see how important, therefore, it is to be absolutely certain of your salvation? We're not focused on failing and falling. We're not focused on being forsaken. We're focused on the joy of forgiveness and on the blessed assurance that having been born again, we can never be Unborn. Could you please tell me how that could happen? We have been born again. It's a metaphor. You know about physical birth. How can you get back into the womb? It's a metaphor. Spiritual birth. How can you be unborn? You can be a rebellious kid born to parents biologically. When does that kid cease to be their kid? You tell me. But let's give God a little more credit. When one is spiritually born, you tell me when God the Father and God the Son is ever going to give up on one of his sons or daughters. You tell me. Never, never, never. Because it's the will of Jesus not to lose any whom the Father has given to him. So if you are a believer, you can sing that song (laughs) we opened with. With blessed assurance, you can sing. No matter what, Jesus is forever mine. I may stumble and fall. I still have an inclination to sin from time to time. There are times when, man, I'm just lost in the desert. There are times when my interest in spiritual things seems to be waning for whatever reason. I'm not recommending those times. I'm just telling you. Those times do not surpass the grace of Almighty God and the strong grip of omnipotent the Lord Jesus Christ who says, I shall never let you go. Now, I want to tell you, you can be a miserable kid of his. You can be a rebellious kid of his, but you're still a kid of his if by faith, simply. You came to him on one occasion. You poured out your heart, and in so many words, you said, my goodness, I am separated from you because you're holy and I'm not. I have sinned against you. I can't blame it on anybody else. I've made a mess of my life because I'm living in your world as if you don't exist. You're my maker, and I think I'm in charge. Well, oh, God, I confess all that. I confess my sin. And I know you have provided a remedy for it. My sin is not a problem. It's my lack of confidence in you that's the problem. Well, I put my confidence in you as my sin bearer. No, God, you're like the perfect sin bearer, aren't you? Because you resided in heaven, you're divine, and yet you came on earth, you're human. My heavens, you're the perfect link and bridge between me and God the Father. I cannot get to him, but you can get me to him by faith. You'll take my hand and you'll connect my hand to your father's hand. Now, I know what you went through is what I deserve to go through, but I need not because what you did was so vicious, so horrific, and so complete, I need not add to it. Oh, perish the thought, God, that I would think in any way I have to add to the totality of your horrific suffering in my place for my sin. And so, though you're almighty and you could just blow me away, 
I, I, I know you wait for me to invite you to take control. Well, that's the very thing I do. I invite you to come into my puny little old life and make something of it. I invite you to inhabit me with your presence in ways I don't fully understand and in such fashion that you change me from the inside out. I pray you would make me to be the person you intend for me to be because left to myself, I will not. There's something wrong with me. Can you come in to me and fix it? And I have lived a life in your world and yet alienated from you. Can you bridge the gap? Can you make peace between me and your father? Prince of peace, come into my life. Forgive my sin. Make me new. And then you say, I live for you. And you'll do the best you can after you pray that. And you really mean it. And then it won't take long before you find out. It's going to take more than your will to comply with God. <laughs> it's going to take his empowerment in you to do it. And when you find that you're weak and you give in to some of the same old patterns you were saved from, you must have a new attitude towards it. You must not call it a mistake. You sinned. You must call it what it is. You can't blame your mama who didn't breastfeed you or your dad who didn't take you to Little League Baseball. It's you. You chose to sin. And then once you do that, you say, I have sinned against you, oh God. Thank you so much. Don't beg him to forgive you. He already done did. That was the cross. Father, forgive them. You say, thank you for forgiving me. And please strengthen me because I have a tendency to do this again. And then once you do that, you say, thank you so much for forgiving me, Father. I'm so thrilled to be your son. And then you walk away from that meeting, head up and shoulders back, just as if you had not sinned. You fell into the safety net, and therefore you didn't fall to your death. He caught you. Jesus caught you. Why did he do it? Is there something in you so special that it attracted you to him? No way. He caught you because he said, I came down from heaven to do the will of my father, and the will of my father is that I don't lose any one of you. If you are looking to your own virtue and merits and performance as the basis for the assurance of your salvation, it's no wonder you doubt it. It has nothing to do with you. It's, it's the intent of the Lord Jesus to do the will of the Father, and the will of the Father is that Jesus lose none who have come to him in faith. I don't want tomorrow to be rebellious and do goofy and crazy things but I don't feel pressured not to. <laughs> the reason I don't want to do those things is that I'm so comfortable with the Lord Jesus. I so much am grateful for what he's given me. It has lessened the, um, the uh, uh, potentiality I have to sin. Grace has motivated me more to sin than fear of falling to my death. The most fruitful Christians are those who are sure of their salvation. And the ones who doubt it are not bearing much fruit. You're too circumspect. And you're like these, uh, these beauty pageants. You know, you got these big high heels and this dress. And, and you're, you're so concerned about, about falling. You look like a klutz when you're walking down the... But if you don't, you're not even... You're not competing for someone's uh, uh, approval. You, you, you're already accepting. You just, you just walk down the steps. You, you, you don't show, you're not practicing. You're not performing. You are so irreversibly adopted into the family of God by the grace of the Son. 
you, 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 you're just free. You're just, you're just, you're just a little kid who's just so secure and comfortable in the presence of parents. You're, you're, you're. It's a serious thing. Could I advise you? Don't let anyone steal and rob the assurance of your salvation. And all you got to do is base it on John chapter 6, verses 38 to 40. That's all it takes. And then you press on. Then you press on. But if you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus, you don't have any safety net. You will fall to your eternal death as a result of sin. Can you see how important it is to take Jesus as your Savior? Folks, let me tell you about the um, greatest thing that ever happened to me. It's when I realized that God, think about it, God was willing to forgive all my sins through the sacrifice, through the death of his son Jesus on the cross in my place. Exclamation point. And then you walk away and you live a life of worship and praise because you, know, have, you have no fear of ever being let go. You'll never be let go. And your puny grasp on the Father is not what sustains you. It's his hold on you. I came to do the will of my Father, and this is the will of my Father, that none he has given to me shall I lose. Your depression, your sinfulness, your moods, your background, your abusive earthly father, whatever it is, none of those things put together are stronger than the Lord's intent to do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father that he, is that he not lose anyone who by faith comes to the Son. I plead with you, accept Jesus as your Savior and leave this place, never ever doubting it again. If we could be of help to you, uh, please stand to your feet. We'll sing, we'll, sing, uh, we'll sing that song. That's a good idea. We'll sing that song we opened with. But, but I want to invite you to go to the Connection Center and we can help you to find out how to be connected with the God who made you in such fashion that you will never, ever doubt your position with him again. And you will just live life with ease and peace in spite of your frailties and flaws, the likes of which you've never seen before. Jesus will be your safety net. Let's sing Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a of glory, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. God bless you. Children of God, leave this place with blessed assurance of your salvation. And we look forward to seeing you, Lord willing, on Sunday.
God bless you.